So if you're going to get one thing out of today's message, hopefully I won't break Billy's guitar. That's going to be, that's going to be item, item number zero. But item number one, the one thing we're going to get out of today's message is this simple line. Don't be a Biff. That sounds like a pretty good thing to, to not be. Now, what, we're going to get into that in a moment. You could be like, hmm, interesting. Don't be a Biff. Well, I don't want to be a Biff in my life. Now, here's, here's my question for you. Have you ever wanted to go back and change something in your life? All of us have, right? Have you ever wanted to look and say, you know what? If I could have a do-over, I love in, in uh, Google Docs and, and Microsoft Word, there's just that Control-Z and oops, it's gone, right? Uh, sometimes we play video games. And we're like, oh, you know what? That was a bad match. Let's just restart match. Well, wouldn't we love to have a way to go back? A way to say, you know what? That didn't work. Well, I thought of it more, and I thought, you know what I'd really like? That 17-year-old version of me, if I, could, if I could take the wisdom and knowledge of my old 31-year-old self, I'm nice and wizened and old, right? And if I could take my wisdom and my knowledge and go meet 17-year-old me, I could tell him a thing or two. You know, I, I could... I could really say, hey, young man, you know, do this. Don't do that. Use this value. Remember this. Now, we don't have an opportunity to do that, but what I love is, does anyone know, if, you're, if you think of the, the film series Back to the Future, Biff had an opportunity to do that. You know, he was this old guy, and we're going to talk about Biff in a moment, but Biff had this opportunity to go back and meet his 17-year-old self and give him knowledge and wisdom and tell him to do things differently. Now, let's talk about who Biff was in advance. So Biff was kind of this peak in high school kind of person. He, in high school, he, I don't know if he had friends, but he definitely had a posse. He definitely had a crew. Uh, they were more kind of like stooges or, I don't know, they were, one of them had 3D glasses. They seemed kind of cool. I don't, I don't know if they were buddies, but he kind of had his crew. And so Biff just always had this kind of situation where he was going through life and he was never really content. He was, he was just always trying to use people. Hey, McFly, 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 right? That whole thing. Um, whether he was 17-year-old or when he was 47, he was bossing around George McFly and saying, hey, do the work for me and I'm going to put it in my own uh, handwriting because either I'm going to get kicked out of school or I'm going to get fired. And he carried this just negativity and this bitterness and this frustration with him. And so finally, he gets to be this man in his 70s and he has this opportunity, the time machine is there, and he has the opportunity to take the time machine and go back to 1955 when he was 17 years old, and we see it in this picture, he literally has a chance to meet himself as a younger person and give advice and give a different way forward. Now, unfortunately, and we don't want to be a Biff, because his solution is this sports almanac, and he says, okay, I got it right here. If you, this is going to give you all the wins of every sports team from 1950 to the year 2000, and you can win millions every time. Just follow this, and you'll be right. And so he does this, and, and young Biff uh, takes this advice, and he, and he becomes very rich and very wealthy, and he has Biff land and Biff world, and he has this big tower, and he does all these different things. 
But ultimately, he's just a crusty guy. He's unhappy. He's miserable. He's never learned how to forgive and let go and move forward. So he's just still always trying to pursue and pursue and pursue. And finally, he gets all this big Biff land and Biff world. And he marries his high school sweetheart. She's not really his high school sweetheart. She's just there because of all sorts of other things. And it just becomes very unfulfilled. And if we take Biff as over here, we want to not be Biff. And, and I, I thought, you know, who is the most opposite person of Biff that we can ever be and we can ever emulate? And we can't ever be Christ, but Jesus on the cross is the polar opposite of Biff. For all of Biff's negativity and bitterness and grudges and, and, and getting back at people and, hey, McFly, for all of that, the very opposite is Jesus is literally on the cross, literally with nails in his hands, literally having a hard time breathing. They are sitting and ridiculing him. They are taking his clothes, and they are gambling. And he literally says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That's the exact opposite. And now we don't want to be Biff. We want to be more like Christ. We want to, in our lives, say, okay, I've had enough Biff moments. How can I seek to practice and show the forgiveness of Christ? How can I seek to move forward in a way where the harm can go, where I can be happy, where I can have healthy relationships, where I can move forward, where I can actually feel joy in my life? And, and you know, Biff had a superpower. He had this access to this DeLorean that he could literally go back and change his past. Jesus, too, had a superpower. He was fully God and fully man. So Jesus, the old song says he could have called 10,000 angels. Jesus could have gotten down off the cross, overthrown Rome, done all this other stuff, but he knew that that's not really what we're called to do. What we're called to do is accept our roles. And we're called to love each other. We're called to forgive. We're called to move forward. And maybe today, you and your, you're thinking, okay, yeah, I, I, there's a family member that, uh, I have this grudge. I, I, I need to work on it. I need to let it go. You know, maybe you're saying, okay, uh, you know, my boss, oh, my boss, you wouldn't believe what they did to try to get me fired. And, oh, maybe, maybe you're sitting and thinking, okay, you know, I've actually done a pretty good job forgiving other people. But I'm beating myself up. I'm, I'm really holding on to this. All of us today have people whether it's ourselves or someone else, who we're being called to forgive. And, and if, you're, if you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, who are you, man? Okay, that's great that you're telling us this, but so you're some forgiveness expert? No, I'm, I'm not saying I'm any sort of forgiveness expert. I'm not as naturally forgiving as I would like to be. You know, it was in my early 20s that my dad finally came to me and said, you know, you're, you're still not over that grudge that you had for your seventh grade history teacher, Mr. Cook, are you? And I was like, no, I'm not. So we have to work to let things go, to move forward. We have to continue to be more like Christ and less like Biff, less like ourselves, less people who are bitter and frustrated, and more people who are saying, you know what, the situations are not exactly what I was hoping for, not at all what I'm hoping for, but still I can move forward. And that's why, if you think of Biff, he was, he was a villain. Maybe we're not, we don't really have a tendency to be villains per se, but we can become victims. But rather, we're not here to be villains or victims because either way, we're not happy. Instead, look at Jesus on the cross. 
he forgives his executors. If we look directly in our text, it's a very short text. Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So let's just pray for a moment, and then we'll begin. You know, Father God, we just ask that you continue to open our ears, allow us to move forward, give us hearts that are open to you, soft and willing to move forward in a way where we're not using our preconceived notions, but we're allowing you to transform us, to have a renewing of our mind where we can go forward in a way that's pleasing to you, in a way where we can just let go of the chains and the burdens of the past, and we can really continue to seek you in all we do. So we thank you for your son. We thank you for your grace that is so sanctifying in our lives, and we ask that you allow us to have the strength to let go and to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not as forgiving as maybe I should be, and none of us are. We're all working on it. But, but with forgiveness, we have a lot of misconceptions about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not these things. Forgiveness is not apathy. If someone says to you, hey, I'm really sorry, and you say, yeah, I don't care, it's fine. Okay, apathy, not caring, it's whatever, is not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. Um, forgetting, the whole American thing of forgive and forget, not forgiveness. If we just say, oh, I don't even remember that, well, that's not helpful. It's helpful to live in reality. It's helpful to look and accept situations exactly as they are, not as we would have them be, and say, okay, the situation was a bummer. I'd like to move forward. Forgiveness is also not an endorsement of bad behavior. And you know, sometimes we worry about this. Sometimes we're like, oh man, if I forgive, I'm saying that what they did was okay. No, no. The silly example I use is if I'm eating my delicious pretzel and you come and grab it out of my hand, throw it on the ground and stomp on it, and I forgive you for it, I'm not saying it's good to grab people's pretzels out of their hand, throw them on the ground and stomp on them. But what I am saying is that we can move forward because it's just a pretzel. I'm saying we can move forward because relationships are so much more important than a pretzel. What I'm saying is that Christ calls us to forgive each other, whether it's a pretzel or something actually bigger. All of it is just stuff and things and situations. And if we just let that ruin, if we just say, oh, that's the end, and we just become like Biff. We become bitter. We become angry. We just, we're trying to get, hey, McFly. We're just trying to do that. It's also not a movie. So this is, I know we want to think that we can be the hero of our own movie. I know that that's a thing that, that people say. The problem is, is that if I look at forgiveness and say, when I have moments of forgiveness, your posse and my posse is going to come forward. We're going to have this big moment. I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to be like, it's all good. We hug it out. We cry. Orchestral music plays. Howard Shore, the whole deal. The problem is, is that's not real life. It's wonderful that that happens in movies. That's amazing. But it's not real. Forgiveness is not going to be like this adrenaline high mountaintop experience where we're like, oh, this is so amazing. Forgiveness is, forgiveness is difficult. It's, not, it's, it's often very mundane. It's often, it's often over and over and over. Christ said, you know, don't forgive seven times. Forgive 70 times seven. Now it's not 70 times seven big movie moments. It's 70 times seven million little annoying moments where we're like, I'd like to move forward. We can move forward. We can let this go. 
And what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a release of resentment. If we think of the great American novel, uh, Moby Dick, so we think of Moby Dick, and you've got Captain Ahab. Now, Captain Ahab had the ability to be this amazing sea captain. Problem, he hated this whale, Moby Dick. And so his whole life was consumed with his hatred of the whale. And he pursued, and he pursued, and he pursued, and he pursued, and he pursued. And eventually, he lost Starbuck. He lost the ship. He lost all of his crew, all but one person. And he went down with the whale. Because ultimately, when we let resentment consume us, it's not like there's a positive resolution. It just consumes. We become Biff. Forgiveness is also a heart change. I think of the, the, the wonderful uh, Christian musician from the 70s, Keith Green, very inspirational on me, pianist. Um, I often try to emulate his piano playing. People say, oh, you, you bang the keys when you play. And I say, no, I'm, I'm being Keith Green. But so Keith Green had this whole thing where he wrote this song, Oh, Lord, You're Beautiful. And he basically said, you know, I've gotten to this point in my life where I've got kind of a crusty, hard heart. You know, it's not, not because of something I'm doing necessarily. It's because of things I'm not doing. I'm not forgiving. I'm not moving on. And so he said, he said something really powerful that's always a little silly, but stuck with me. He said, I want to have skin like a baby on my heart because we think as we get older, and now you'll say, oh, David, you're not old. You're 31. Okay, but I'm not a baby. I have a baby. She's uh, nine months old, soon to be 10. Her skin is very different than mine. You can say I'm not old, but mine's a little wrinkled. Hers is not. And we want to have that skin like a baby on our heart. We want to be renewed. We want to be refreshed. And that doesn't happen by being biff. That doesn't happen by manipulating situations and making things happen. That comes by letting go. That comes by surrender. That comes by moving forward. That comes through forgiveness. Forgiveness is also a change in perspective. We often think that we're in control. Now, one of the positive things to come out of pandemic is that if you look around... Look around where you are. You're sitting on your sun porch, as I always joke, or wherever you are. This is not normal. It's actually helpful to see that we are not in control. Pandemic is showing us that this is not the David show. This is not the you show. We're not in control of our situations and circumstances. We are in our situations and circumstances. We have to accept them radically. We have to say, this is what it is, and I cannot change it. But what I can do is I can move forward. I can do good. I can allow Christ to work in me. And that's what forgiveness is. Seeing that God is sovereign. My grandfather always said the problem with Christians, they can't practice forgiveness because they think they're in control and they don't see that God is sovereign. If we let go and see that God is working and God is control, then we can start to practice forgiveness and move forward. And that's what our big idea today is. Don't be a biff. To not be a biff is to learn to forgive. If at any point he would have just let go and forgiven, his life would have turned out very differently. And so let's talk about forgiveness. You know, forgiveness brings us happiness. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Stanford Project, um, but it's really amazing because oftentimes um, the church and Christians really feel like we have these truths through Christ, and we read them in Scripture, and we're like, I wish people would get them, but they just don't. What's really cool is there's this awesome guy, Fred Luskin, in the Stanford um, University's Forgiveness Project. He heads it up, and what's really cool is that he has seen that forgiveness is the secret to happiness. He literally, that's Christ's teaching, and he literally, a brilliant 
person with their doctorate, postdoctorate, all sorts of things through Stanford, head of an institute, has seen this. That's amazing. You know, he has this whole thing, and we're not going to go into it, but I'd love for you to check out his video. It's about a five-minute clip. It's about how forgiveness is expecting yes, receiving no, and making peace with it. It's really powerful stuff, really amazing. But what's awesome is that this forgiveness project really shows that Christ's teaching is correct. As Jesus was on the cross, not being a biff, but saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's able to move forward. And Fred Luskin has seen that forgiveness brings us happiness. It allows us to accept the no in our lives. It allows us to grieve appropriately. It allows us to say, hey, I got I to gotta go to a counselor. I got to talk to people. I got to move forward. And then ultimately, I have to let go and come to peace with it. I can't will my way through it. And here's the key. We all want to be happy. People, people say to me, David, you know, what's the secret? What's the, what's the meaning of life? Meaning of life is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you want to be happy, practice forgiveness. Show forgiveness. Let go. Learn to let go. Learn to move on so we can seek and find the happiness. In our text, the word forgiveness is a Greek word and actually means aphiemi. Now, aphiemi literally means to let go, to let go of negativity, to let go of resentment, to let go of hurt. So I'm going to use an exercise with us that I've used with my students that I want you to just consider. Now, we're going to imagine a balloon. So I want you to, wherever you are, hold up your balloon for a moment. Now, here's what's exciting about this balloon. It's a helium balloon. I didn't just blow air in it. Nope, not that. Helium balloon. Now, this is magic helium because we're going to, defies physics, but we're going to put stuff in our balloon, and it's still going to float. It's amazing. Magical helium. Okay. So we're going to take our balloon, and it's important to customize our balloon. So you can imagine this balloon, whatever you need it to be. I always imagine Pikachu on it. If you need Ninja Turtles on there, go for it. Knock yourself out. Um, Beyblades is acceptable. It's whatever you need. Um, if you need to put Bob Dylan's face up there, that's A-okay. Whatever we need to do, put it on that balloon. So now we're going to take our balloon. We got it. Hold it. Okay. So now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our balloon, and we're going to put our frustration in there. So we're going to put that in. Let's put that in now. Okay. Now we're going to put in our hurts and our envies and our bitterness, our jealousy. We're going to put that all in that balloon. Now, you would think it's weighed down, but it's an amazing magical helium. It's still floating. It's getting pretty big. You know, I don't know about you, but mine's starting to get the size of that, not a Pikachu Mylar balloon, but like that big Pikachu in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's a big balloon now. So I've got that. Okay, now I've put that all in there. Now watch this. Ready? If we understand the principle of a FMI, it means to let go. And we're going to watch it. We're going to let go of that balloon with all that junk in it, with all that biff stuff, with all that envy, jealousy, bitterness, frustration, hey, McFly, all that stuff is in that balloon. And we're going to let go, and we're going to watch it. We're literally going to do this. Ready? Oh, it's Pikachu. He's floating away. Wow, if only we could learn to start doing that in our lives. That's what we are called to do, to let go. Life is best when it's God-centered, when we, when we say, you know what? I can't do this myself, but God, work through me. 
Allow me to let go. Allow me to move forward. Show me grace. Continue to, to show grace in my life and allow me to show grace. Allow me to let go. Allow me to move forward. You know, I think of Corey Tenboom, who's an amazing hero of the faith. She came from a wonderful Christian family, and she lived right around the time of World War II. And so she was always one of these people who struggled. You know, maybe we've grown up in a Christian household, and maybe we've been that person where we look around and they all have faith and we're just kind of struggling. And we're like, I don't get it, man. I, I, I don't get it. And she always kind of struggled. She had these moments where she was like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's, she kind of felt a little biff-like, a little crusty. And ultimately what began happening is her family began hiding Jewish people behind the wall, this hiding place in their house from the Nazis. And they do this for a while, and eventually they're found out and they're sent to a concentration camp. And something amazing happens. Corey Tenboom learns that even in the darkest, deepest pit, in the darkest hole, God still shines through and God can still pull us out and meet us there. And she learns to practice forgiveness. And it's a powerful thing for her. Even with the death of her sister, Betsy, she was able to move forward to let God work in her life. And she's able to start finding happiness. But here's the thing. She starts going on a speaking tour afterwards because it's an amazing story. And she wants to, she says, you know what? I want to let God be the center of my life. I want to move forward. But here's the challenging thing that happens. Two years after the camp, she's speaking at a church. And at the end, a person comes down to talk to her. She recognizes this person. It was the most brutal guard from the camp she was at. And she, this was, yeah, she could forgive the big idea, but she was, did not want to see this person. And here's what happened. At the end of her talk, he came down and he said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk and how all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. I was a guard there. But since that time, I have become a Christian. I know God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, will you forgive me? Now, I talked about how forgiveness isn't this movie moment for most of us. She had this opportunity. This is an amazing moment. And you know what she did? She froze. We can't blame her because I can't even imagine the situation. It's horrible. It's awful. But she thought, you know what? She knew that forgiveness was an action, not an emotion. She knew that forgiveness was the way forward to be happy, and she knew that Christ could be the center of her life. So she literally did this. Her hand was in her pocket, and she said, okay, I'm willing to forgive him, but I can't physically. So Jesus, if you can help me move my hand, I'm more than willing to do it, but I need help. And somehow she was able to pull her hand out of her pocket and forgive him. And it was a wonderful moment. It didn't mean that they were then best friends. It didn't mean they were going on a speaking gig together. It meant that they were able to start moving forward and healing and letting go like that balloon that's somewhere up in the stratosphere. Biff was chronically unhappy. Christ on the cross acknowledges God's in control, says, Father, forgive them. He knows God's role, and he knows that they can just start moving forward. Biff's chronic unhappiness Continued, no matter he had Biff Land or Biff Towers or whatever, no matter what happened, he still was miserable and frustrated because he couldn't forgive. And he didn't have healthy relationships. You know, forgiveness not only brings us happiness, it, 
we, we all seek and want healthy relationships. That's one of the, the big things in life. People say, oh, I just want to have good relationships. What do I want for my kids? I want them to make good friends, have healthy relationships. Okay, so I'm a new dad, not claiming to be a parenting expert or anything. I'm going to do the opposite. My father recently told me this. David. Yes, Dad. David, if you fail at everything else as a parent, oh, thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. Awesome vote of confidence. That's exciting. If you fail as everything else as a parent, just remember one thing. We want to teach forgiveness. It's essential. Accepting forgiveness, giving forgiveness, that is essential for a child. If you can't do anything else, if you completely mess up, completely fail, everything else doesn't work, teach that one thing to Ruby. And you know, really, when we think of that, it's because Christ's ministry is one of reconciliation with each other. That's one of the main things that he's there for. You know, they thought, oh, he's here to, he's here to overthrow Rome. He's here to be king. No, he was here to help us reconcile with each other. He was here to say, how can we love one another and move forward? He was here to say, let's forgive each other. Even on the cross, he's saying, okay, Father, forgive them. Think of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So how do we bring that message of forgiveness, of reconciliation, into our families, into our hearts, into our workplaces? Because we know that forgiveness creates healthy relationships. We know that by Christ forgiving those who were murdering him, he was also able to turn to one of the disciples and to his, to his mother and say, child, this is your mother. Woman, this is your son. He was able to bring us forward. He was able to help us learn to work together, and he does that for each of us. We're here to have that message of reconciliation, but, but Biff didn't have those healthy relationships. He had goons. He had that guy in 3D glasses who didn't really seem to age, whether it was 1955 or 1985 in that alternate universe. He was just kind of this miserable guy in 3D glasses in a, in a gang. Biff didn't have a message of reconciliation. He had a message of bitterness. He was just like, ugh. What about us? Are we working to foster reconciliation and grow healthy relationships with each other? Are we working to bring that kind of peace into our families? Not bitterness. Not, not taking in all the world and coming home and just being, ugh. That's easy to do. I mean, no blame, but instead of doing that, Am, am I coming home and, and seeing Ruby and, and Laura and saying, hey, so excited to have family time together to talk about how we can continue to build bridges? I, I talk to my nine-month-old like she's nine years old or 30 years old, and people laugh. But I feel that it's really important for her to just hear me talk to her about, hey, you know, I had a hard time with this today, and I had to let go of this grudge because it's so important to bring that message of reconciliation, of forgiveness into our families, and first and foremost, into our hearts. If we don't do it ourselves, it's not real. If we're just teaching our children something, but we're not willing to stop and say, okay, 
If it's good enough for Ruby, it's, it's certainly good enough for me. And Biff didn't know that. And not only forgiveness, it, it creates healthy relationships because we don't want to be a Biff, but it also allows us to move forward. We move forward when we acknowledge reality. Look at the text. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It didn't say, Father, forgive them. They're all good. It's all fine. Let's move on. Jesus clearly acknowledged what was happening. What was happening was not cool. It was not good. It was super bad. It was appalling. It was real. We have this problem where we kind of, in forgiveness or moving forward, we try to just kind of act like, oh, that didn't happen. No, no, it did happen. We have to, we have to acknowledge things. If we're going to put things in our balloon and let it go, we've got we to gotta acknowledge that they're real to put it in there. Otherwise, they're still just kind of existing in the ether. Let's acknowledge them and get them in that balloon and let go. While on the cross, Christ accepts the situation exactly as it is. I think of another amazing person of faith, Pope John Paul II, had a moment in the early 80s where a man named Mehmet al-Agka was in a crowd and tried to kill him, took out a gun and shot at him, an actual gun. That's a horrible thing to have happened. It was unsuccessful, and the man went to prison. And the Pope's message to his people was simple. Please pray for my brother, for I have sincerely forgiven him. He didn't say, please, please pray for my brother because he did nothing wrong, and it's all good, and it's, it's cool. He said, I've forgiven him. He acknowledged that it is awful to pull out a gun and shoot at someone in a crowd. That is a horrible, despicable action that is not to be tolerated. However, we can also move forward, and then the Pope literally went and visited him in prison. Again, just like the situation with Corey Ten Boom, it's not like they became best friends and went on a worldwide speaking gig, but they were able to have that moment of letting go and moving forward. Can we do that today? You know, we all have hurts in our lives. We have that bitterness. Maybe you're carrying that bitterness today and you're saying, oh, David, you don't understand. No, I don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. I'm not going to claim to understand. You know who does? Jesus understands. Jesus was on the cross and he was able to forgive. He shows us a perfect example of what to do. Of course, we're going to be the imperfect example, right? We're not going to be, we, we are to be imitators of Christ. We're not going to be Christ. But we can look and say, okay, Christ forgave perfectly. I'm going to start by trying to forgive imperfectly. I'm just going to let go. I'm going to say, let's start moving forward. You know, this past weeks, these couple weeks, we lost John Lewis. I don't claim to, to have known John Lewis personally. I did get one opportunity to, as a child, very briefly meet him at a book signing. Um, I've always been kind of a nerd, and we hung out at a bookstore in Providence. This was kind of pre-internet, so it wasn't uh, flooded with people. But my dad said, I was probably like seven or eight at the time, he said, David, come with me, trust me. In 30 years, you'll be happy this happened. Um, and so we go in, and there's, there's no one there, and um, John Lewis is there, and he's just signing books. And we talked to him, really sweet guy, really nice guy. And that was cool. I don't claim to have known him, but it was cool to be able to just have that moment and because of that nice moment, he's always been someone I've really looked up to. He's always been just a very, really wonderful moral person, a really just someone with a great conscience, great person of faith, and a great forgiver. We may forget 
about what happened with him and George Wallace. George Wallace was kind of one of the big opponents of the civil rights era when it was happening. George Wallace had power and authority, and he used it to, to block what was going on. And he, he would have troops stop students from, of color from going to university. And that's awful. And he was a major force against. You know, John Lewis said George Wallace never threw a grenade. He never shot a gun, but he did a lot of damage. But then something amazing happened. George Wallace accepted Christ in his heart, and he started to try to make amends. And a lot of the members of the civil rights movement had a really hard time with this and were not judging or condemning, I can't imagine. But one who didn't was John Lewis because he said this. He said, when I met George Wallace, I had to forgive him because to do otherwise, to hate him, would only perpetuate the evil system we sought to destroy. George Wallace should be remembered for his capacity to change. And we are better as a nation because of our capacity to forgive. Are we remembering that? Are we living that in our lives? Are we seeing that forgiveness allows us to move forward because of our capacity to let ourselves change through Christ, to move forward and to forgive? To not go into these win-lose situations, to not just say, oh, well, I've, I've got the, you said this, and I'm going to hold against you for the rest of your life, and you need to disappear, but actually moving forward and working together and saying, how can we allow Christ to transform my heart and move forward? Look at how Jesus' forgiveness in Luke 23 demonstrates his willingness to look forward. He's unconditional. He didn't wait for the people who were putting him to death to become his buddies. He didn't wait for them to say, oh, oops, we made a mistake. Uh, Jesus, we're going to pull you down, and um, it's all good. He didn't wait for that. It was unconditional forgiveness. He also acknowledged harm. He didn't condone his perpetrator's bad behavior. He didn't say, hey, it's great that you put me up here. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. They're doing something, and it's bad, but forgive them. He also was grounded in perspective. He knew that God forgives sin. When we forgive, we're not forgiving sin. We're moving forward. It's not our job to play God and to remove sin from people. It is our job to see that Christ forgives, and we have to then in turn follow suit. We are imperfect imitators of Christ. We are not here to be the one to remove sin from people. That's not our role, and that's one of the things we can learn. Biff, Biff never moved forward. He never, he never saw the opportunities that he had to live a new life. He stayed an emotional 17-year-old for his whole life. Each of us is called to move forward, though. Being a disciple is acknowledging that we get stuck. We need Christ. We need to move forward. And that's why our message today is don't be a Biff. And that is why we end our service coming to the Lord's table and remembering that on the very night that Christ gave himself up for us, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that one of his disciples was going to betray him. He knew one that was going to deny him. He knew that many were going to run away, and he loved them no matter what. And so I invite you, as we come to the Lord's table together, as you take out your bread and your juice, to remember that it was on the night that Jesus died that he took the bread, 
he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And so let's take the bread together. And then when the meal was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God and he said, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And let's pray. You know, Father God, we know that we are not perfect. We know that we are called simply not to be Jesus, but to be imitators of Christ. And we ask that you would give us the courage to let go, the courage to move forward, the courage to see that we can not be so frustrated, so Biff-like, but we can move forward and know that you love us, you redeem us, and you allow us to move forward with your dignity and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.